are listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Akutner Shabbos. Delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos when we're going to bless the, the new month of Tammuz. This Erev Shabbos where, thank God, the days are getting a little bit longer. But where we have a Parsha which has so much to teach us. How many weeks ago did we stand at Sinai all, all together once again this year? And we committed ourselves to a future together with Hashem, to a partnership. And the truth is that we committed ourselves because the moment of the chuppah is always, almost always, a most wonderful time of being so confident and looking forward to the future with tremendous determination and confidence. But then comes the daily life, the daily grind. And the question is, how do we make it on a daily basis? And the parasha this week has lots to teach us. In fact, it happened exactly at this time of the year, because if we look at the dates, it was on the 29th day of the month of Sivan that the Jews reached the borders of Eretz Israel. It was in the year 2,449 since creation, and they were about to enter the land when the drama of this week unfolded. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. And the name of the parsha is Shlach, Send. Hashem says to Moshe, Send. Send scouts, if you want to. Send scouts to spy out the land of Israel in preparation for the people's conquest of the land. People are about to enter the land. It's days away. And Moshe decides to send these scouts. And unfortunately, disaster follows. What was Moshe's reason for sending the scouts? Well, his reason really was in keeping with Hashem's desire that we understand as clearly as possible the goal of our divine mission, our national divine mission, our universal divine mission, and our personal divine mission. And not only to clearly, rationally, or at least with our minds understand it, but he also wants us to absorb the methods by which he wants us to carry out the mission. Why? Because then we're more enthusiastic about it. We're into it. We're not robots. We understand this is where we're going. This is what we want to achieve. And this is how Hashem wants us to achieve it. And that's why Moshe thought it would be proper to send out these scouts to check out the land. How's the best, what's the best way to conquer it? What's the best way to go in? And that way, the people would have more enthusiasm about entering and conquering the land. So what went wrong? Why is it that they came back with a bad report? Why is it that they caused the entire nation to lose heart? Why is it that they said things 
that literally were not in keeping with who they were. Because if we look at the words used at the beginning of the Parsha, they were anashim, they were men. And when the Torah uses that word, the Torah is referring to the fact that they were tzaddikim, they were righteous people. Each and every one. Hashem said, send fitting people. And the people Moshe selected, 10 out of the 12, succumbed. 10 out of the 12 came back with a report that totally disheartened the nation. The question is, number one, why? How? What happened? If they were tzaddikim, where was the error? And essentially, these people were on such a high spiritual level. They were in the desert. They had stood at Sinai. They spent all their time studying the Torah, meditating, praying. They had very little to do with the physical world. Manna fell daily from heaven. They didn't have to go to work to eat. Their clothing grew with them. The clouds that surrounded them actually washed their clothing. It was a spiritual life. And the truth is that they didn't want to leave the desert. They didn't want to leave the yeshiva. They didn't want to go out to work. They didn't want to go into the land. But not for lazy reasons or superficially lazy reasons. These people wanted to continue. They wanted to continue to be totally dedicated to spiritual pursuits. But that wasn't Hashem's intention. That's not Hashem's plan. When Hashem came down on the mountain, it was that the ultimate in spiritual came down on the physical ground. And that is God's Intention in creating the world. Infinite God creates a physical world, which in truth has a tremendously high spiritual source. In fact, physical comes from a higher source than spiritual. But only by imbuing the physical with spiritual, according to God's direction, do we fulfill the purpose of creation. So at Sinai, which was the marriage, God spoke about the mandate, he spoke about the mission, he spoke about the co-partnership. The error of the spies was that they went beyond their mandate. All they were meant to do was to see how the land should be conquered, not if it could be conquered. And instead of doing that, they made a big mistake. In their hearts, they didn't want to go into the land they didn't want to descend, which was God's intention, that we go down, unite with the world in order to elevate the world, live in the world in order to imbue it with holiness. We've got to learn a lesson from the mistake of the spies. We each have a divine mission. And we have to keep in mind we're not doing this because it feels good or it makes sense. We're doing it because that's what God wants us to do. So we're doing it for him. If we're doing it for him, it's like in a marriage. Not everything 
one of the spouses does, he does just for himself. That's a disaster. In a marriage, you have to stretch toward the other. That's called unifying. You have to listen carefully to the desire of the other, the need of the other. It's fine-tuning yourself. As a child in my class once said to me, my father says, your spouse is your sandpaper. Indeed, when you live on your own or you're in the yeshiva or you're following your own career, do your thing. But when you commit to a partnership, it's a whole different ball game, And we need to descend, slow down in order to ascend. And the spies didn't want to do this. These scouts wanted to remain in the spiritual. And we have to remember that we need to use our intellect. It needs to make sense to us, but we need to use it through the way Torah directs us to arrive at an objective truth. Not just look for evidence that's going to give us the right to stick with our own agenda. And therefore, the Parsha that comes now in the third week after we got the Torah continues to talk to us about marriage, about partnership, and about success. And so, what's wrong with a spiritual life? What's wrong with just continuing if you're that type of person who loves studying? Well, let's look at the spies again. They were so spiritual. They were so immersed in the spiritual that it actually confused them and led them astray. They didn't want to be distracted by the material world. They wanted to remain, as it were, in the desert. And you know what? That's ultimately what happened to them. Be careful what you ask for and what you look for. They wanted to remain with the clouds of glory and eating the manna and drinking water from the well of Miriam and have all their physical needs attended to so they could, as mentioned before, study and meditate and pray. In fact, it came to a point where they looked with revulsion at the notion of entering the real world. When they thought about, we have to waste most of our time to try and earn a living, to look for our daily bread. And in truth, we should have a perspective We should want to grow spiritually. We shouldn't want to be burdened, as it were, by material distractions. And that vision has actually kept us focused throughout the millennia, yearning for the time of Mashiach. Because at that time, we will see very clearly the place of material, the place of spiritual. We won't get confused It won't be like now when our focus sometimes gets disturbed or our vision becomes blurred. But at the same time, in order to get there, we have to be humble and submit to Hashem's plan because His plan is that we live in the mundane reality. 
We must get married. We must raise a family. We must be devoted to community. We must live in the world, but not for our own pleasure or our own ideas, but to reveal the godliness that is in the world. Because in truth, this is God's plan. Only by entering the material world can we find the essence of God. Only through keeping mitzvahs practically can we find the essence of Hashem. And this is the story of marriage. In marriage, you cannot go over it. You cannot go under it. You have to go through it. You have to grapple with it. You have to face the challenges. It's much nicer to withdraw sometimes. We have so many people who will complain that their spouse withdraws. Yeah, we like to be more comfortable. We don't want confrontation. But it is only through trying to balance the personal and the other, the material and the spiritual, that we actually extract the holiness in every encounter. We extract the holiness in every event. And of course, one needs to ask the question, this was just weeks after leaving Egypt, just weeks after leaving Sinai. They were now fully exposed to daily miracles. They'd had so many miracles in Egypt, at the sea. Why didn't these miracles convince them that Hashem would do miracles for them as well when they would go into the land? Well, the truth is, we're taught that that generation didn't work hard enough to learn from the miracles that they saw. Instead of appreciating them fully, instead of understanding the great favors that Hashem had done for them, His presence, His breaking the laws of nature for them, they remained in a limited mentality, a slave mentality. What was the slave mentality? They assumed that they were slaves to the laws of nature, that reality cannot be broken away and soar upward spiritually. They were trapped. They felt that the laws of nature, the character of the world, is just unbendable. You can't refine it. And perhaps that God is unwilling or, God forbid, incapable of overriding the laws of nature. And because of that, as mentioned, they gave up the privilege of going into the Holy Land. Because for all of us to this day, for all of us, if we're going to remain true to the focus, to the goal, to our divine mission while we live material day-to-day lives, we have to believe that it's possible to elevate the physical, to imbue it with holiness, to change the seeming nature or reality. And in order to do this, we have to look at the miracles that our nation has been graced with and the daily miracles that each one of us experiences.
in our personal lives. We have miracles on a daily basis, but we don't notice them. We have to begin to look. We have to begin to appreciate. We have to begin to see the divine hand on a regular basis in everything we do, everywhere we go, with everything we have. We need to constantly maintain perspective. We are a miracle. The world is a miracle. God's intervention is a miracle. And only when we work at constantly reminding ourselves of that reality, then we become capable of fulfilling the mission that God put us into this world to do. And that is to make this world a home for God himself, a place where he can feel comfortable. And if we focus in that way, we will bring about the time of the Mashiach. And soon, you see, our marriages are a miniature reflection of our relationship with Hashem himself. And we need to work very, very hard in the day-to-day family to show the kindness and devotion, to show the dedication that is needed to break through the challenges. The challenges are there in order for us to extract the deeper light that exists within. It's an amazing, amazing privilege. But without it being challenging, it's not a real choice. And choices are there because it's possible to choose. And within the choice lies tremendous, tremendous achievement. We have to understand as well that everything in our lives involves Hashem. Our marriage, well, he's the third marriage partner. He helps us constantly. He wants us to fulfill our divine mission, so he's there all the time helping us do it. We have to face it. That's maturity. Marriage is not about... I'm going to be served and I'm going to be taken care of and everything I want is now going to come my way. If I want a good provider or a beautiful partner or someone who's entertaining or whatever, those are things that I want. Why has Hashem given me what he has given me? Because Hashem loves me. And in every challenge, there's tremendous light that only I can reveal. And these are the thoughts that we take out of the Parsha this week. Why would these tzaddikim fail? What went wrong? And how can we learn from what happened over there? We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and I want to share with you a very special message from Pick and Pay. That's Pick and Pay in Norwood, the hypermarket. They have these incredible pocket-saving sweet deals just for you and me. Pick and Pay kosher raisin rib for just $139.99 per kilo. Nori kosher brisket, 
150 grams at the ridiculously low price of 44.99. Pick and pay fresh loaded and gutted hake at just 79.99 per kilo. And what about the pick and pay kosher lean mince? 89 rand per kilo. Pick and pay frozen petite hake fillets. 69.99 per kilo. Catch these and so many more specials in store. Exclusive to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood and only while stocks last. That's Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Amashi Lipsker, and we're talking about the mistake of the spies. They didn't want to enter the land because they didn't want to leave the cocoon of the spiritual existence they were enjoying in the desert. All their needs were tended to. Everything they needed in a material way was provided, and therefore they didn't have to work. They could devote themselves to prayer and study and meditation to continue the inspiration that they had imbued They had been imbued with at Sinai. But that is not the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is to descend in order to ascend. That's how God created the world. He came down into the world. God took the ultimate, infinite spiritual, and he made a physical manifestation called a world. And this world although it looks far from godliness, contains the ultimate intention of God. The ultimate intention is to live in the world, but to live with a spiritual consciousness and to imbue the world with a spiritual dimension, to extract from the world the spiritual soul that everything in creation really is. Because everything has been created by Hashem. But the spies did not do what their mandate was. Their mandate was just to see how to capture the land and not to figure out if the land could be captured. And they actually spoke Loshan horror. They actually slandered the land. And they said this land consumes its inhabitants. What were they saying? They were saying that this land is a land that actually consumes you. You become totally, totally absorbed, swallowed up into pursuing a material existence. And there were two of the scouts. One was Kolev, and the other one was Yehoshua, Joshua. Caleb and Joshua disagreed. They stood up to the ten and they said it is not true. We can go up and we can manage. And they used the words we will not descend ultimately we will ascend doubly. We will reach the highest heights by coming into the land and doing what needs to be done there. But the people who went with them, the other ten said, "Uh uh-uh, we will not be able to go up because this 
people, the people who occupy the land are stronger, and they intimated stronger than God himself, that God himself had put certain rules into place, and he wouldn't, or God forbid, couldn't override them. And they said, this is a land that consumes its inhabitants. And if we look at the word a land, what is a land? A land, earth, is a place that has many, many treasures. There are minerals. There's the power to grow things. It's a place that has tremendous, tremendous potential that when you put in one seed, you can get a whole tree, that when you dig, you could find diamonds, you could find water, you could find gold, but you must dig. And they understood that this land would require them to immerse themselves into planting, into digging. And they said, we don't think we'll be able to extract. We think it will swallow us up. Yes, it's Eretz, but it will swallow us up. The other word inside Eretz is Ratzon. Ratzon is desire. And they said the desire here, which now will be fanned inside of us, will turn, God forbid, into greed, will become totally, totally swallowed up with material pursuits. And so they caused the people the nation to weep, cause the nation to cry, cause the nation to say, what's going to happen to us? And the words that they used is, why is God bringing us to this land? We will fall by the swords, by the sword, and our wives and our babies will be captured. And the question is, why did they use the word babies? Why not just say our children? What do you mean our babies? Tapenu. And what they were speaking about, the Rebbe explains in a beautiful way, what is a tough? Tough is a very small child. And we find that word when Joseph, Yosef HaTzadik, gave enough food to his brothers to take back for their families, and then lechem lefi hatof. He also gave them enough food that would be for the babies. And our sages explain that a baby wastes more than it eats. The baby sprinkles crumbs all over the place while it's trying to get something into its mouth, and most of it doesn't get inside the mouth. But he gave them enough for the children. Lechem is actually Torah. Torah sustains us. Torah is called Lechem in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the people were saying, if we do get time to study the Torah, we won't be able to internalize it as we do now. We won't be able to eat like adults who sit down, put the food into their mouths, and then the food isn't wasted. They actually do. We will try and study Torah here and there, but we'll be so distracted. And our pursuits to study Torah will actually become captured. And 
the problem, the mistake that they made is that that is not what Hashem does for us. Hashem promises that if we look out for Him, He'll look out for us. And the little bit of time that we do devote to the study of Torah, while we are looking out for other people, while we are taking care of our families, while we are taking care of community, while we are making sure that our children have a proper Jewish education, Hashem will cause the little bit we do get into our mouths to actually nourish us effectively that the Torah study that we do absorb is going to be worth more than sitting and learning all the time because it will be focused and it will help us achieve our goal. The other two spies said, don't worry. Do not rebel against Hashem. Don't be afraid of that nation, the nation of that land. They will be like our bread. And God is with us. And what they were saying is, on your own, you cannot do this. But God is with us. And therefore, by doing the mission, we will be nourished. By doing the mission, this will become our bread. And it's quite a challenge. It's a challenge that the Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose yard site is next Shabbos, gave each one of us. And that is the responsibility to look out for others. And unlike any Rebbe before him, except his father-in-law, who at the very end of his life began this, he sent emissaries, shlach, shluchim, throughout the world. And their mandate, their mandate was to bring warmth and to bring Torah study and performance of mitzvahs and Jewish identity and pride wherever they would go to build up communities from Iceland to Perth, places in Russia and China, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. And so I want to share a story that our seminary teacher told us. We were 17 years old, and he shared with us a story, and I have shared it on the radio. And it's a story that took place with his own daughter. And the daughter was at seminary, not a Chabad seminary. There wasn't any in those days. And the Rebbe's sending emissaries around the world was not understood in the yeshivish circles, in the ultra-Orthodox circles, it was questioned. People were just not doing this kind of thing. Communities kind of went inwards, and here the Rebbe was starting to say, go out, uforatsta, and you shall spread to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. And the Rebbe was criticized. And one day, this young girl was in seminary and her teacher actually um, challenged her. And she's a young girl. And the teacher challenged her and said, I don't understand your Rebbe. How can he take responsibility to take yeshiva students and young women straight out of Hebrew teacher seminary and send them out to a community 
where there is no community. Send them out somewhere where there's no other rabbi, where there may not be kosher food, nor a school for the children they will have, where there isn't a chavrusa, they don't have friends like themselves who think the way they do, who keep Shabbos and kosher and so on. How isolating. What in the world is your Rebbe thinking? Is he thinking that they will influence the environment or the environment will influence them? And she said, it's a no-brainer. I don't get it. And then she said, it's just not logical. Imagine that you have this big pool of water and it's cold. And you take one pot of hot boiling water and pour it in. What do you think? The hot water is going to warm up the pool or the pool's going to cool down the hot water? And with that, she left it. And this young girl was distraught. It sounded logical. And she came home in tears. And she said to her father, what do I say? I was so embarrassed because I didn't have an answer and I wanted to give an answer. And I know that the Rebbe knows what he's doing. And her father said he too was stumped for a moment. How? And then it came to him. He said that would be true if there was one pot of boiling water and it just got cooled off in this pool. But what if the pot returns to the fire. It's connected to the fire. And even as it's pouring out hot water, it's getting heated up again and again and again. As long as the pot remains connected to the fire, it will ultimately warm up the pool. And that has been the mandate and the success of the Chabad Shluchim. The Rebbe doesn't just want us to go out and work with others, but we have an obligation to continue to study, to continue to nurture ourselves with Torah and with Hasidic teaching so that we will have what to give out, to continue to warm ourselves up and remember our mission constantly so that we can pass it on unadulterated, pass it on with the same passion that the Rebbe passed it on to us, the same passion that Moshe Rabbeinu passed on to the Jewish people. May we merit to do our part in partnering with Hashem to make this world a warm, comfortable home for the Creator Himself. We light candles tonight at 5.08. Please, God, they will illuminate our homes, our hearts, and the world. Good Shabbos.